to Walking Our Path Together, a series of audio stories exploring Yukon College's reconciliation journey. Over the course of the series, we'll hear from people who are connected with the college and from people throughout the Yukon, elders, educators, community leaders, and youth. This is episode four, I Am To Get, the one that got up and went. In this episode, we'll hear three stories from people who were involved with Yukon College in its early days, and we'll explore its development from vocational school to college. First, we'll speak with Han Elder, Gerald Isaac. Then, we'll head out to the Carcross Learning Center to talk with former Carcross Tagish First Nations Chief, Mark Wedge. And finally, we'll go to Teslin to talk with Ingrid Johnson, an instructor, coordinator, and the unofficial elder on campus at Yukon College in Teslin. In 1963, the Whitehorse Vocational Training School was established as the first post-secondary institution in Yukon. A few years later, in 1965, it evolved into the Yukon Vocational and Technical Training Center to meet growing demand throughout the territory. At that time, the school was located on the banks of the Yukon River in the Whitehorse neighborhood of Riverdale. A large number of its first students were Yukon First Nations. And in the following decades, they would go on to become leaders in their communities and take on positions where they could contribute to negotiating and implementing self-government agreements. Gerald Isaac was one of the first graduates of the vocational school. Yes, good morning. Uh, my name is Gerald Isaac. I'm a Han Huichin First Nation elder and uh, citizen. And I was born and raised in Dawson City, and uh, my early formative years was in the village of Mooseide, uh, three miles below Dawson City. I was raised and adopted by my grandmother, and uh, her name is Eliza Isaac. My first language is Han, which in course, and uh, when we went to public school, when we relocated from the village to Dawson City, we enrolled in the public school and uh, were required to learn and speak English. Um, when the uh, Yukon College first started up, it wasn't uh, referred to as Yukon College. It was called the White Horse uh, Training and Technical Center. And uh, they had uh, built a building in White Horse, and uh, there was a move afoot uh, from the uh, White Horse um, uh, Technical Training Center staff to advertise to the communities and, and recruit students from the outlying communities. So uh, a number of the staff came up to Dawson City and told the story about a technical training center and the courses that they offered for students. And there's a whole slew slew of us students in Dawson City who were interested in the trades. And I certainly, because of my arts arts background and and interest in painting and and drawing and that sort of thing, uh, decided to, it would be beneficial for me to enroll in the the drafting course. And so I did. And other students, uh, like myself, at the same age, um, registered for courses in electricity, electrical training, and uh, plumbing, and heating, and um, mechanical for fixing cars, and a heavy-duty mechanic for heavy equipment. There was courses for, uh, for cooking, hairdressing, and nursing. Oh, man, the selection of interest was just so, so vast and great that there must have been about uh, 20 of us who just mass uh, did a mass exodus from Dawson City and came into Whitehorse. 
And we were so, so um, uh, tickled to have uh, been enrolled in these courses. And uh, I know I enjoyed my course. Uh, it took me two years to get my certification. And then I went to work for uh, uh, governments in the different fields of drafting. I worked for uh, Yukon government in the architectural field of drafting and designing buildings and uh, drafting and, and drawing architectural renderings and doing um, designs for um, heating in the buildings and all kinds of closer stuff that, uh, along with my highway experience, uh, we did the highway drawings as well. And so uh, the other students, uh, for most part, gra- became the first graduates of the class when the uh, Whitehurst Technical School first started and was introduced into the Yukon. And uh, I worked in the field of drafting for, uh, I think, oh, about 15, 20 years. Uh, before I moved on, and I went back to school in Vancouver, Langara College. And uh, I uh, not only went to school there, but I worked for different engineering companies. And I stayed down there for eight years before I decided to come home to become a part of the land claims negotiating uh, interests. Yeah, that's an interesting story because it... Uh, there was a group of elders who were traveling around the country, including the Yukon Territory and all the Northwest Territories, that was a part of the Berger Inquiry, Thomas Berger Inquiry. And uh, the Thomas Berger Inquiry was established in 1977 to uh, solicit the views of First Nations peoples across uh, the North Country, uh, in Yukon, Northwest Territories, and then eventually the, the views of Canadians all across Canada. And I met the group at the airport in Vancouver when I was working down there. And I met an elder there. I spoke with him in my language, and he did a jig dance right at the uh, Vancouver International Airport. And he says, holy moly, he's my grandson. He says, what the hell are you doing down here in this concrete jungle? He says, get the hell back home and help your people. Finally, I got my cue from this elder who said, get the hell home. So I, I got on a plane. Before you know it, I was uh, working for the CYFN. Mapping and research because of my background in engineering and drafting. And uh, I became a, a, a director of the program. And then after a year, uh, another opportunity arose for me to become involved in the, in the leadership. And I came back with a view to, to going home to Dawson City to take up my hereditary chieftain role with the Trondequitchen First Nations. That wasn't meant to be in my stars. And uh, I was talked into uh, running for office. Uh, of the Yukon Native Brotherhood, an organization that represented all the status Indians in the Yukon Territory. Next thing you know, I became the, the vice president of the Yukon Native Brotherhood. Oh my God, now it's, uh, that's the same that took me involved in the leadership and uh, uh, the rights and interests of uh, and titles of First Nations and the land claims negotiations. And I came after the uh, production of, of, of the... Um, of the um, uh, um, Land Claims Report, together t- today for our children for t- uh, tomorrow, which was the first negotiated attempt put together by the Yukon Native Brotherhood for all the, the Indians in the territory. And then that was 1973. And then th- that report was refined into um, the modern-day treaties that we see initiated today. And uh, it, it was uh, quite an experience working for the uh, uh, land claims and the rights of uh, First Nations people. years, the school grew, and in 1988, it outgrew its location on the riverbank and moved up the hill to a new facility in the Tikini area of Whitehorse. 
The new space was officially opened with a potlatch where elder Miss Angela Sidney named the new campus I am to get, meaning the one that got up and went. The name references a clinket story about a clan house, which had to be moved because it was too close to a riverbank. The name I am to get was chosen for an additional meaning as well. The new college would work to educate the students of Yukon, and they would move Yukon forward. <laughs> Next, we'll head out to the Carcross Learning Center to speak with former Carcross Tagish First Nation Chief, Mark Wedge. My mother never drove, so she would always drag me to these potlatches saying, I need a ride to Tesla and there's a potlatch down there. This is one time we went down to Tesla and Jack Smarch was down there and he was greeting traditionally, you know, he would stand at the door of people coming in and he would talk to them, introduce himself. And my mother went in, so her and Jack, their clan brother and sister, right, because it was Dejitan also. So they, they talked away in Tlingit. She went in and then Jack talked to me in Tlingit. I don't know how to speak the language, so the only word I know is Hagushe. Which means I don't know. <laughs> and I was trying to say, I don't know how to speak the language. I didn't know how to say that. So I just said, Hagushe. And he kind of looked at me and he went in. Anyway, we were sitting traditionally, right? The, the hosting clan doesn't sit at the table. They're, they're, they're hosting their guests. So Jack and Mum were sitting beside each other around the edge of the hall. And I was standing beside Mum and I get her coffee and you know, sort of things. And finally, Jack said to her, Who, Who's this young man? And mom said, oh, that's, uh, see, that's my, my, my son, that's my baby. She described to him who he was and he said, when he came in, I asked him, who are you? And he said, I don't <laughs> So I'm still trying to figure out who I am. That, that's who I am. <laughs> I know I'm Daisy Dunn, right? I know I'm the son of Dora Wedge. I know that, um, yeah. But I've had a lot of experiences over the years. Mostly with the irony is that I was in economic development. In order for us to, to, to develop the capacity for uh, Yukon First Nations citizens to move forward in economic development, they needed training. Nobody likes training. They're not going to go to school back in those days. I mean, as soon as you turn 15, especially for uh, a guy, you were out of school, right? You went out to work. Um, school was not the place to be. And certainly, further knowledge, higher learning was absolutely out. It started with the vocational school. The vocational school was um, interesting because that's when a lot of um, our, our male counterparts, not only male, but a lot of females, but a lot of the males actually started re-engaging with learning processes at the vocational school, learning you know, some of this stuff. And I, I thought it was interesting because that was another step in the evolution of the education of Indigenous people in the Yukon, right? So once they started re-engaging with the educational system. So when vocational school became the college, right, that's when Auntie Angela was asked to, to give it a name to do a ceremony. And that's when she came up with the name Ayamdegut, because Ayamdegut was the name of that um, potlatch house at, at Tagish where the river is eroding. There used to be two potlatches, a Dr. and a Deshitan potlatch house. Potlatch house wasn't like this. Right? It was more log frames, and you know, people would put around, they would gather at spring gathering. And that Duck Luedi one was washing away. So um, they had to move it back. 
and they named it Iyam de Gut because it's the one that got up and moved back, right? And so when Auntie Angela saw the college moving from the vocational school where the vocational school was mm -hmm. up on top of the hill, that's where that Iyam de Gut came from, the one that got up and moved. I think it has two meanings. First meaning is the physical thing of where it's moving. The other one, it's the educational, it's a reconciliation process you're talking about, what you guys are doing now. How do you, we get past this um, hurt, the, the truth part, to the reconciliation part. And, and to me, that reconciliation part is what we're talking about. How do we understand colonization? We've had these discussions, and I know that some of the courses that you're having are talking about this. Is, but if we, and we have to look at it, um, again, through the medicine wheel. Most of us get hung up on the emotional piece, the hurt that was caused, the trauma. But there's a whole intellectual piece. We don't understand colonization intellectually. Is that what are the tools? How do you centralize power in, in learning, in healing, in governance, in all of these things? Finally, we'll go to Yukon College's Teslin campus to speak with Instructor Coordinator Ingrid Johnson. So nice. Come on in and I'll show you around. <laughs> My name is Ingrid Johnson. I am in Lantlinget from Teslin. I'm a member of the Kokotan clan, which is a raven clan. I was born here in Teslin. I'm probably one of the few people now that can still say that. Um, most people, of course, nowadays are born off in the hospital, right? So I grew up here and then went off to FH after I finished with a little grade school here in Tesla. And then sort of ended up living on in Whitehorse. I went to the forerunner of Yukon uh, College, which was called Yukon Vocational Technical Training Center. I wanted to take a course and uh, it turned out that probably the most appropriate one for girls back then would have been office admin. So that was the course that I took then. And went on to work in a number of jobs within the federal government and territorial, eventually Council for Yukon Indians, and uh, worked there for a few years. And then at some point in time, decided to go back to school. So I had taken night courses at Yukon College, and in that process, they moved up the hill. So I was actually up there taking courses as well. Um, so I took a whole round of first year and second year courses, got to the point where I decided I should do something more, and uh, then enrolled at UBC and finished my undergrad. I did go back a year or so later and worked on my master's. Throughout that time, I uh, worked at the college. I think that was probably my original wish was to actually become a college pro at UConn College. And that was kind of the thing that inspired me, I guess. During that time, I stayed close to the college. I worked a bit in um, kind of the administration for a couple of summers. I also later on taught in the band management program and then eventually took on doing some courses. And uh, I've been home here for almost four years working away as a half-time um, instructor coordinator here at the college. I enjoy it. 
I think back in those days, we were really looking to have a university in the Yukon. You know, there were a few people, I was one of them, that really wanted to be able to have that option of having post-secondary education right in our community. It hadn't really happened and now it's happening. So I think that's one thing that I really found was pretty awesome. As an organization, we don't always know just what it is that we have to do, but it is like, I think like anything else, it's a journey and we work our way through it. I really think that, you know, I like that we're putting effort into that. I really like that because I have been, you know, as I was telling you, in and out of the college for many, many years as a student and also as uh, an instructor. I think there's still a lot more work that we need to do. And there's a lot more support that we need to have in place, whether it's for our students or for our instructors who are charged with talking about Indigenous matters and our history and all of that. We're going to do good things, I think. We are humbled and grateful to the knowledgeable Yukoners who took their time to be a part of this project and to help tell this story. This audio story was produced by Leanne Chalikov for Yukon College. Original music is by Jonah Barr. Find us on iTunes or look for the next episode at ourpath.yukoncollege.yk.ca. And while you're there, you can sign up for notifications when a new story is released.